Well, today we're continuing our series on uh, short stories. And um, because it's Father's Day, we're going to tie in a parable which, uh, that we're studying today with, with uh, Father's Day. As we take the time to honor our fathers uh, today, we remember that um, and we understand there's, there's an enormous task and an enormous responsibility and burden that fathers carry. And uh, today, like never before, fathers are struggling. They're struggling to fulfill their role as a father, and, um, and they need help. The spiritual responsibility father shoulders can be in really an overwhelming burden. Is that right, fathers? Can you, give it, can you help me out here today? Um, you know, there's four main spiritual responsibilities that we see in the Scripture uh, of responsibilities of the father. And the first one is the responsibility of being a loving and faithful husband to our wives. And the scripture says in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. Part of the father's responsibility is to be a loving and sacrificial husband. Is that right? But how many of you know that's not so easy to lay down your life and to love your wife like Christ loved the church. And all the fathers said, a second responsibility we see in the scripture is this, the responsibility of gently and patiently caring for our children. You know, uh, contrary to the world's philosophy, it's not just the mother's responsibility to raise the children. In fact, the scripture says in Ephesians 6 and 4, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You know, children need to be trained. Children need to be instructed. And every father has that God-given responsibility of not just training his children in the instruction of the Lord, but to train them in a way that doesn't discourage them, right? But but encourages them. Train them in a way uh, that encourages them so they can be set for life. And uh, and then the third spiritual responsibility that I see in Scripture is that uh, fathers have the responsibility of being faithful and responsible providers for their family. And the Scripture says in 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So the responsibility of providing for the family rests upon the shoulders of not of the mother, but on the father, right? And it's our responsibility to make sure our families have food on the table and they have clothes to wear. And then fourth responsibility I see in the scriptures that the Lord requires fathers to take responsibility for providing spiritual leadership for the family. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse four, it says, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Notice that God holds fathers responsible for providing spiritual leadership for the family, not the mother, visiting the sins of the fathers. Fathers have a responsibility to to provide the spiritual leadership, not only for themselves personally, but for the entire family. That can be a huge weight to carry. 
And every one of you men, every father that's in here today, I think can can bear witness with what I'm saying. Uh, what a tremendous responsibility that every father has to shoulder in life and uh, the responsibility of providing spiritual covering and leadership for the entire family is no small task. And yet, very few fathers have had, had a mentor to help them learn what all of this is all about. You know, we're living in a what they're calling a fatherless society, and many of us have grown up in that kind of environment. And we've never had someone that we could learn from. We never had someone who would affirm us in what we were doing as a spiritual leader. We had no one to teach us and encourage us when we were struggling in our God-given duty. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians in verse 4, 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. There is not many spiritual fathers around to mentor us and teach us how to shoulder the huge responsibility that God has given us. So therefore, I believe that there are many of us fathers that are struggling today. So the question is, how does a father learn how to handle that responsibility? How does he learn to shoulder that tremendous responsibility of the family when he doesn't have anybody or he might not have a mentor close by him? Well, I believe Jesus gives us the answer in Matthew chapter 7. He gives us a solution uh, when he talks about the parable of the two builders. And if you in Matthew 7, I want you to just read it with me in verse 24. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is like a wise person who builds a house on the solid rock. Though the rain comes and its torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it, it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come, the winds beat against that house, and it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, Jesus tells this story. This is a parable. And he says he had just finished teaching the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all kinds of incredible spiritual truth. He just finishes it and he ends it and he says, now let me kind of, let me kind of just conclude it now. Everything I told you. And he talks about these two builders that build their house on two different foundations. And he says, one man built his house on a shaky foundation, which was sand. And whenever the storm hit that foundation, the whole house crumbled. Then he talks about the man who built his house on on the uh, rock. And that man's house experienced the same storms that the other man did, but this man's, fa this, this man's house didn't collapse, but it stood there and it, it withstood the storms of life. Now, for the purpose of what we're talking about today, we're going to apply this parable to the role of fathers. The two builders can be viewed as two fathers. One father successfully fulfilled his role and his responsibility as a father. And the second father failed miserably. He failed miserably at filling his role and his responsibility. Now, then the question is, what was the main difference between these two men that Jesus told this story about? Well, Jesus told us what the difference was. Jesus said the difference is the kind of foundation we build our life on. How many of you know? The foundation has everything to do 
with the, the stability of the house or the building. And the, and the stability of life, the stability of a man has everything to do with the foundation that he builds his life on. Is that right? Would you agree with that? The successful father builds his life on the foundation of God's word. In Matthew 7 and verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is, a, is like a wise person who builds a house on solid rock. And then verse 26, but anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish like a person who builds a house on the sand. So he talks about these two men building houses on two different foundations. And he says the difference between the wise and the foolish is this. If you know, notice, both men heard the teachings of the Lord, but not both of them followed his teaching. The Bible says the difference between the wise and the foolish builders was this. The wise man heard the Lord's teaching and he followed it. The foolish man heard the Lord's teaching and ignored it. So there's a difference between hearing the word and following the word. How many of you know that? And sometimes the knowledge of the word of God stays stuck in our brain and doesn't hit our heart. So according to Jesus, the key to succeeding at fathering, and you can apply this principle really in every area of your life, the key to succeeding in fathering is learning the skill of applying God's word. I believe you got to learn how to apply God's word. It doesn't just happen through osmosis. How many of you know that? It doesn't happen automatically. Now, there's two main benefits of applying God's word. And benefit number one is applying God's word positions you for success. You remember in Psalm 1, in verse 1, it says this, How blessed is the man, how blessed is the man, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its season, which yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Now, according to Psalm 1, delighting in and meditating on the law of the Lord positions you for success. He says in Psalm 1, it's like planting a tree near the streams of water. Now, you know, we don't live in the desert, but imagine the difference of planting a tree in by the streams of water and planting a tree in the desert. How many of you think that the tree planted by the streams of water will do a whole lot better than the one you plant in the Sahara Desert? Don't you agree? So what the picture he's trying to paint here is applying God's word positions you to receive what you need to be fruitful in life with and prosper in everything you do. So you could say learning to apply the word of God is like planning your life by the oasis of God. Amen. And so remember, it's not knowing God's word that makes the difference. There are got people that were raised in church that know the Bible better than you and I. They can quote chapter and verse. They got a good memory. They can tell you every story in the Bible, but it's not benefiting them at all. Because although they know the Bible, they're not applying the Bible. And so it's not just good enough to know the Bible. You'll never reap the benefits until you learn to apply the Bible. Amen? Remember the instruction Joshua received when he was getting ready to lead that entire nation of Israel into the promised land. That was a, a, that was a big task right there. 
It was a big task. Remember his instruction. God came to Joshua and he said, Joshua, let me help you here. Let me mentor you here. Let me father you here. Let me encourage you here. If you want to be successful, this is what you need to do. Josh 1 verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all that the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful where you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now notice the application of the instruction that the Lord gave Joshua here. Part one of verse eight says this. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Why? So you can know what it says. Amen. Part two, he says in 2B, 8B, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. There's the application right there. And then part three says, then you will be prosperous and successful. So success and prosperity only comes after not just learning, but doing the word of God. Are y'all with me? Are you tracking along? And you say, Todd, I knew that already. But the question is, are you doing it already? See, because it's not just good enough to know it already. You got to do it already. Amen. So now remember Psalm 1, 3 gives us hope that we can prosper in everything that we do. How many of you think that's a great promise right there? You can prosper in everything you, you do. But did you know that there are conditions that have to be met before you can receive the promise of Psalm 1 and verse 3? See, we like, we read that Psalm and man, we, we, well, we camp out on verse 3. I'm going to prosper in everything I'm going to do. I'm going to prosper in everything I'm going to do. But well, hold up, hold up. Remember what Psalm 1, 1 said? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Four conditions there that need to be met before you get position to receive from the Lord. First of all, he says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Where do you get your advice from? You see, where we get our advice from can make the difference whether we're blessed or not. Isn't that true? Number two, he says, don't stand in the path of sinners. In other words, don't model your life after those that don't want to have nothing to do with God. That's going to short circuit the favor and blessing of God on your life. And then number three, he says, don't sit in the seat of scoffers. You know, scoffers are cynical people that, that, that talk bad about God, God's people, and God's church. Listen, you don't need to be hanging around with cynical people, with scoffers of the things of God. You need to separate. He said, don't sit in the seat of scoffers. And then finally, he says, the fourth condition on the positive side, he said, don't do these three things, but this is what you should do. You should delight and meditate on the word of God. Then he says, finally, he says, delighting in the law will position you. And then the promise comes, which is verse three, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water. You see the picture that God is giving us here? See, and so we so quickly want to point out or pick out the good parts of scripture, put them on a card and declare them. But many times God lays specific conditions out for us. And if we will attend to them, 
the blessing that's associated with them will come to our household. Amen. And I know you all want that at your household. Amen. Applying the word positions you to be blessed of God. Applying the word of God positions you to build a rock solid foundation so you can succeed in everything that you do, including leading a family as a father. Amen. Then the second difference applying God's word makes is not only does it position you, applying God's word also keeps you in position for success. You know what I've learned? I've learned that, listen, yesterday, spiritual victories and success does not guarantee today's victories and success. I've learned that. I've learned that. Yeah, hey, listen, yesterday can be uh, over the moon, man. It can be a, a, a you know, a, just a, a top 10 weekend. But come of you know, Monday can be totally different. So listen, Revelation 2, 26 says this, To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Now, I want you to notice that he says, To him who overcomes and does my will until the end. Come on, how many of you know you can't just start the race? You gotta, gotta finish the race. Come on, you can't just start the race of faith. You gotta finish the race of faith. Amen. It's not just good enough to have victories yesterday. We need to have victories today. Amen. We need to overcome and do the will of God till the very end. Amen. And so it's not good enough to get in position to receive from God. We need to stay in position to receive from God. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me out there? You can be in position and out of position with one little tweak of your heart, one little attitude, one little change in your behavior. You can get out of the position of receiving from God. Now, the Lord instructs us how to stay in position. Second Timothy 3, 16. All scriptures inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, there's a whole lot packed in this passage of Scripture. There's a whole lot. But I want you to know there, in this Scripture, gives us four ways the Word positions you to continually receive from the Word of God. Because that's not an easy task to stay in position, is it? Is it? Is it? It's not easy, is it? No, no, it's not easy. But he helps us out here. He says, first of all, all scriptures inspired by God. In other words, it's not man's thoughts. It's the mind of the Lord. So we got to start there. You know, if you go to college, you'll have professors that say that book is fictional. It's a bunch of baloney. Well, you can aspire to that perspective if you want, but I suggest another perspective that you agree that it's the word of God and it's the authority of God, it's the mind of God, and he's a smart dude. He's smarter than any professor that ever hit a college door. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And so he says, first of all, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful. How many of you know it's useful? It's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong. So here's the four ways God's word keeps us in position. Number one, by teaching us God's truth. How many of you know you can't live in victory without knowing the truth? 
You can't receive God's promises without knowing what they are. Amen. So he teaches us God's truth. Second Timothy 316, all scriptures inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true. There's another verse that says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Another way to say it is my people get defeated because of lack of knowledge. My people live in the wilderness because they don't know the instructions and how to get to the promised land. That's another way to put it, right? And so listen, he says, the word of God will teach you. God's word teaches us how to make relationships work. God's word will teach you how to walk in fellowship with God. God's word will teach you how to give, how to serve, how to pray. God's truth will help us overcome situations in our life. God's truth will help us realize who we are in Christ and what we've received in Christ. So we don't live like a pauper in a, in a, in a kingdom world that God put us in. So we need truth. Somebody once said that every negative and dysfunctional behavior in our life, as well as every bondage to sin, is based upon a lie that we believe. Well, lies hold us in defeat and truth releases us in the victory. Amen. That's why we need to know the word because the word of God, Jesus said, you're going to know the truth and the truth will make you free. Well, come on. We got to know the truth before we can get free. Amen. And so some people say, I don't need to know. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I do what I want. And the next thing you know, they got this bondage in their life and holding them. And they say, no, I don't want this. I don't want this. Well, it's too late. You believe the lie. And so now you're going to need to hang on to the truth to get delivered. Amen. Now, the second way. God's word positions us to continue to receive God's blessing is by exposing wrong behavior in our lives. How many of you know we all got those? That's what verse 16 says. All scriptures inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Do you realize that sometimes it's our own wrong behavior and our wrong attitudes that keeping that keep us from succeeding and prospering? It's not the devil. It's us. It's our own wrong behavior, our own wrong attitudes that keep us from succeeding in life. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Are you still tracking with me out there? And so listen, part of the job of God's word is to bring to light and point out wrong behavior. Because most of the time we ain't going to believe somebody close by that tells us it's wrong. So we need somebody else. James 1 and 23 says, if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. How many of you know we all have blind spots? That's why we look in the mirror, because we're not sure if the hair back here is really in place or not. So we look in the mirror and we could have something going on. I mean, we could have a booger hanging out. And we don't know it. But when we look in the mirror, we see it as it is. And the word of God is a mirror. And we look into the word of God. It's going to point out boogers in our life. Amen. Come on. Y'all get that language, don't y'all? Oh, yeah. Y'all hearing that, right? So you don't embarrass yourself. And so that's that's the word of God. It positions you. Third, it positions you to continue to receive God's blessing. 
to correct you when you get out of position. Scripture is inspired by God, able to teach us, make us realize what is wrong in our life, and, and then it says that it corrects us when we're wrong. Correction means to restore us to the right path. God's Word will put you back on the right track. Because I believe like, like the ship that leaves the harbor to go across the sea. It never makes a straight bead to the, to the next port. It's a series of doing this. Looking at the compass and saying, oh, going too far this way. Comes back here. Oh, going too far this way. And as long as it keeps working on staying true north, it's going to get where it needs to go. And I believe as Christians, we're constantly doing this. And true north is where we want to go, and that's heaven's throne room, right? But I believe we're constantly veering, and the Word of God is, is, the, is the vehicle, is the instrument to say, oh, you're veering right there. You need to get back on track. You're veering right there. You need to get back on track. You see, the Word of God is not only to show us the path, but it's also there to keep us on path. Amen? So the problem is if we don't continually expose our lives to the Word of God, to the mirror of God's Word, we might be over here due south, and we're supposed to be heading due north. And we don't have a clue that we're way off the mark. Y'all still tracking? And the fourth and final way God's Word positions to receive God's blessing, it teaches you how to stay on track. And that's what the last part of verse 17 says. It teaches us to do what's right. That means it strains you to stay in position. Now, you know, the more you get trained, the better off, the better you are at hitting the mark. So the word of God is there to teach us, to get us on the right, in the right position. It reveals things that potentially getting us out of position. It shows us how to get back in position when we got not a position. And then it teaches us how to stay in position. Amen. In other words, the job of God's word is to position us so we can receive the favor and blessing and the success of the Lord. Amen. Including being a successful father with the burden and the responsibility that they have. See, a father's for fathers, it looks like this. God's word will put you in position to be a great father. Number two, God's word will show you your wrong attitudes and behaviors that will keep you from being a good father. Number three, God's word will instruct you on how to get back in position to being a good father. And finally, God's word will keep you in position to be a good father. Matthew seven twenty four says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. A person who builds a house like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. And then he says, but anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. Brothers, it's not easy to raise a family. It's not easy to be a father. In this day, this age, in the society we live in, it's getting harder and harder. There's an onslaught against the family. The brothers, I believe if we'll, if we'll stand on the rock, continue heed the word of God, I believe the word of God will plant us in God's stream of water and we'll have divine intervention and we'll have divine help, the wisdom of God. And I believe we can do a better job than we could ever do outside of the will and the word of God. Amen. Y'all believe that? Why don't you do me a favor and just stand with me for just a moment. 
The worship team has learned a song that talks about the rock. Now listen, we're talking about fathers today and the, the incredible task of being a father and leading the family. But you know, you can apply this. If you're not a father, you can apply this to your life. If you're in college, if you're in school, if you're a laborer out there just trying to make it through life, these, these principles apply across the board. But the important thing is that we got to not just learn the Word of God. See, it's not the Word that we don't understand that we got to worry about. It's the Word that we do understand that we're not doing that we got to worry about. Amen? Listen, we'll never know all the Word. If we'll just take one truth at a time and begin monitoring our life at it, I believe that God can take us from blessing to blessing. Amen? I believe He can take us from glory to glory. I think He can take us, men of God, fathers, He can take us and help us to break the mold of maybe centuries and years and years of wrong patterns and cause us to be a new pattern for the families that come behind us. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace here today. Thank you for your hand of blessing here today. And I pray that you would release your power, release your presence, God. Father, God, there are men here today that I know are struggling, that are no, Lord, are, are, are yearning for that mentor, yearning for solutions, yearning for answers, not knowing how to do it, not having affirmation, not having the support system. Lord, I know that you are the father to the fatherless. And that, God, you want to mentor every one of us. And you want to come alongside of every one of us and help us in this journey of life so that, God, we can succeed and prosper in any and everything we do. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that is with us today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, amen. How many of you know that the Word of God will always point you to the rock of your salvation? Amen. And, and you might be kind of off the rock a little bit and a little, you know, a little shaky. And the Lord will get you back to solid on the rock through His Word. Amen. You know, God rarely talks to us. I shouldn't say rarely. God mostly talks to us through His Word, through the Bible. So I encourage you, if you don't read the Bible, store Today would be a great day. Tomorrow would be a great day. And don't read a lot. Read it slow and let God speak to you. Amen. And listen, you might be here today. And, you know, as this song said, you know, Jesus really is the rock of our salvation. Jesus is the rock. And, and the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10 and 3, talking about the children of Israel when they wandered in the wilderness, they all ate the same spiritual food. They drank some spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was who? That rock was who? Was Christ. You remember whenever the children of Israel were thirsty and they were they were in this wilderness time in life, and nothing, nothing could quench their thirst. God instructed Moses to go strike the rock, and out of the rock came water. And it, it watered all the nation and all their animals and everything. Everything started getting watered because of the rock. Jesus is that rock. And you might be in a wilderness right now, thirsty on the inside. 
looking for things to quench your thirst outside, out in the world, out in, in in this environment that we live in. But yet nothing satisfies. But I want to tell you, Jesus said, when you get a drink from him, you're never going to thirst again. Because out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. Not a little bit of water, but a lot of water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. And would you just one more time, just bow your head with me. If you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? Because I'm not sure I'm on the rock. I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I had to, if I ended, if my life ended today, whether I would get to spend eternity with Jesus. But I want to. I want to. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to get on the rock. I'm tired of living in shaky sand. Maybe, maybe you're here today just to hear this, that Jesus wants to be your rock. And he's calling you and he's asking you to surrender, to yield to him so that he can just change your life. So if you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray a special prayer for me? Because I want to make sure that I'm a Christian. I want to make sure that I'm on the rock. You just lift up your hand and lift it high so I can see it right over here. I see your hand right here. Listen, if you're raising your hand, don't be shamed. Don't be bashful. Come on, raise both hands. I just tell, just raise both hands and say, that's me, Todd. I need that special prayer. And I want you to look up here at me after you raise your hand. Listen, this is not, this is the love of God extended towards you and saying, I want to help you, sir. I want to help you, sir. I want to help you, ma'am. I want to help you, sir. I want to help every one of you. The Lord wants to help you. Now, listen, if you're ready to get on the rock, I want you to slip right out of the pew and just come down right here and meet me at the altar. Thank you. Come on down. Come on down right now. Come on, sir. Just slip out right there. There you go. Come on. This is your day. Come on. No more sand. It's time for the rock. No more building your life on sand. This is the day that your life can change right here and right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Come on, let's give God praise. Let's give God thanks right now. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word, the power of your spirit. Now, come on, pray this prayer with me just from your heart, just as sincere as you can. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. But I believe you forgive. And I want to be forgiven. I want my sins washed away. Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me for every sin I've ever committed. I repent. I'm ready to turn my life around. I'm ready to live for you. But I need your help. Would you help me, Lord? Would you help me to live the Christian life? Teach me how to stand on the rock so that I can make it through the storms of life. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, can I get some altar workers? I'd like a man and a woman to be behind each one of these or in the front of them. And just pray. Just begin to pray a prayer over them and just thank God for just sealing what God is doing. Now, if after they pray for you, if you just take some time to give us your name and number, make sure they have a Bible so they can begin building their life. Amen? Amen. How many of you are glad to be standing on the rock today? Come on, he's the rock of our salvation. Now listen, in conclusion, as we dismiss, you can come up for prayer if you need prayer for anything. But I want to take a moment right now to pray for those nine families that lost their lives this week. 
in, in South Carolina, tragically. What a tragedy. Let's pray right now. We don't need to know who they are, what their family, what their family names are. God knows who they are. Let's ask God to release his grace. Father, we pray for these nine families in this congregation, Lord, this community that is suffering, Lord, that is grieving today because of this, Lord, this traumatic, this traumatic tragedy, Lord, of violence, God, of prejudice, Lord. We pray, God, release your grace over them. Fill them with your love. Fill them with your comfort, God. Lord, I pray what the enemy meant for harm. Turn it around and bring revival to South Carolina. Lord, let there be more unity than ever before. Father, I pray, do that in Lafayette as well. Keep prejudice, hatred, and violence out of our community. I pray in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. You're dismissed. You have a wonderful day. Happy Father's Day. God bless you, man, as you go.